I'm someone who would consider to be a, a words person. I, I love words. And yet words failed me this morning. Um, humbling. Overwhelming. Um, it's been such an honor. With all sincerity, outside of knowing Jesus and, and my wife and children, the, the greatest blessing in my life has been this, you, loving you and being your pastor, shepherding you has been the greatest joy and gift in my life. And so I, I, I come before my God and before my faith family with such mixed emotions on excitement of what God's called us to and yet with really heavy hearted and saying, farewell today. Um, it has been such an incredibly life-changing, incredible five years. And so thank you. Um, thank you for listening to me, which that at times so baffles my mind that you would come back week in and week out. Thank you for letting me grow with you. Because I am not the same person I was five years ago. And that is because of God's word shaping me through his spirit, through this, this church, through these relationships. People that you heard share today, they have shaped me as much as God used me to shape them. I've received more. And so for all that supposedly I have given, I can tell you I have received tenfold. And so it has been such an absolute privilege. And I was encouraged to shorten my sermon to 15 or 20 minutes. And I, I did hear my, my brother's counsel. He, he did mention that we've gone nose to nose and disagreed on, on some moments. And I'm going to disagree again today. <laughs> I'm not going to preach 15 minutes. Um, I probably won't go 40. But we gathered together today to hear from we are here to see our Savior revealed in splendor and in glory, and he does it through the proclamation of his word. So I would feel as though I was leaving you and doing you a disservice if I preached just 15 minutes today. And so I, I'm hoping that you came with expectancy to hear from God because we want to see him revealed. And so on this last Friday as your pastor, I want you to know that I love the church. Now, I love this church, New Life Church, but I love the church. Serving the church truly is an honor. I mean, you realize that I have given my life away to serve the church of my Savior. And it's not just me. There are many of you sitting here today that also are actively giving your lives away to serve your Savior and to serve his people. Many of you serve tirelessly and faithfully. And I'm just honored to serve Jesus and follow him along your side. But if you're here today and maybe you've never been part of a faith family, maybe you don't even know Jesus, but you're just kind of checking it out. 
or maybe you've been hurt really bad by churches in the past, and, and this is kind of a reawakening to you, maybe, maybe you're asking yourself, why? Well, what's the big deal? Why is the church so important? Now, if you're asking that question, oh, man, don't forget who you're asking that question of. You're going to get me going. If you start talking about, well, why is the church so important? What's the big deal about the church? Like, don't even get me started on that topic. Because I cherish the church because of who she belongs to. Do you realize that the church is the single most important, single most powerful, influential force on the planet? More than the United Nations, more than governments, more than politicians, more than any other organization, group, people in existence, the church is greater, more significant, eternal, more powerful, cherished by God. There is nothing that can compare to the church. And you say, well, why? Why, why, do, I, why do you say that? Because it's your job to say that? No, that's not why. I've given my life to this because the single most important event in human history it was when God himself became a human. When the second member of the eternal trinity, so God the Son, took on human flesh. At that first Christmas, the incarnation, God became a human. He, Jesus, lived among us. He revealed the Father. You have his disciple, Philip, saying, show us the Father. And Jesus says, you have seen me. What more do you need? You've already seen the Father. If you've seen me, if you know me, you know the Father. So Jesus came, and then he died on the cross as the perfect substitute, the atonement. He died for you and for me, taking our sin and our guilt and paying it all on the cross. The one who was holy, who never once sinned, dying in our place and then being resurrected powerfully by the Spirit of God on the third day and now offering forgiveness and joy and hope and peace, eternity with him to anyone of any nation that will repent and trust in Jesus as his or her Savior. This is what the church is about. We proclaim the message of Jesus, the gospel. And we accomplish the mission of Jesus. The church reveals the glory of God. So you realize what this is? This, this gathering? This is the called out ones. This is the gathering of the redeemed who know the one true God and who are sent out to make him known. We read earlier from Isaiah 42, our brother Pedro, I'm going to miss him dearly. I love it when he reads and when he prays. Here from Isaiah 42 where we see this promise that, that the people of God are meant to be a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to set those who are in captivity free from their slavery to sin. 
And so God has a plan to display his glory by rescuing people. But look around the room and you will see the means by which he accomplishes it. It's you and me. It's his church that is a light to the nations. This is who we are. And it is a remarkable privilege and an honor to be part of the church. There is no plan B. There's only plan A, and plan A is gathered right here in the Emirates Park Zoo. This is it. This is how the God in heaven is saving people that will belong to him, that will treasure him forever. So if you are a believer today, you are a missionary. This is what you are. This part of your identity of who you are in Christ is you are a missionary. You've been given the task to take the message and accomplish the mission of Jesus. It is why God brought you to Abu Dhabi. You are not here for whatever reason you think you came for, for work or to get away from your home country. No, God brought you here to be a missionary for him. This is why you are here. So that people that are lost and far from him can find hope and healing, and freedom, to be made new in Christ. But see, here's our problem, and it's not just mine, it's yours too. This is our collective problem. Due to our personal struggles, due to our, our sins or our self-centeredness, we all forget. I mean, it's just life. It's just fast. It's busy. We get wrapped up with life, and we just forget. That we're missionaries. We forget that we're here for a purpose bigger than ourselves and just our family. We're here to make Jesus known. We forget we're missionaries. And we forget about being motivated to be on mission for Jesus. And so this morning, on this last Friday, my topic is being motivated missionaries. And that's my heart that we would all be truly motivated missionaries for Jesus right here where he has placed you or wherever he will call you down the road. May we all be a faith family of truly motivated missionaries. So let me ask you a question that's here on the screen. This is an important question that we're going to ponder this morning is, what must happen inside of me in order to be a motivated missionary for Jesus? So what has happened inside of us so that we will then be propelled to truly be on fire, passionate proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus, to be a motivated missionary for him? What has to happen inside of us? Well, let's read. Short text, but profound. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We'll be looking in 1 Timothy 3, reading verses 14 through 16. 1 Timothy 3, 14. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up 
in glory. I love these words. Let me give you the context so we understand these words a little bit better. The book opens, chapter 1, 1 Timothy, verse 3. It reveals that the Apostle Paul had left younger pastor Timothy in Ephesus, big city in modern-day Turkey. And Paul left to go to Greece. He went to Macedonia to continue to preach the gospel and plant more churches. So Paul here is saying that he hopes to see his friend Timothy again. He misses him. He, he said goodbye when he left him in Ephesus, and he wants to spend time with him again. But he says, if I'm delayed and if I don't make it back on time, he gives Timothy this letter to teach Pastor Timothy how to lead the church. He says, we just read it. He says, so that, Timothy, that you may know how one ought to behave in the church. Know God's will for the church. When I was reading this text a few months ago, it's, this was the verse that God used to grip me to then preach this last series, who we must be. Who we must be as a church. How we ought to behave in the church. What the church should look like. So we're seeing today as we wrap up this series is who we must be. We must be motivated missionaries for Jesus. That have a passion to make him known to those that are far from him. But see, here's the thing. Let's just get real for a moment. You can't fake this. You can't fake this. Now, some things we can fake. We can say we pray. I'll pray for you, brother, but then actually did not do it. So that we can fake. We can fake on a Friday morning and look good and, and raise our hands and praise Jesus and our hearts are really far from him all week. So there's all kinds of things that Christians can fake. But this is not one of them. You cannot fake missionary passion. Either you have this burning desire to make Jesus known and reach the lost and you'll do it, or you won't have that passion and you can talk about it, but you won't actually share your faith. You won't actually invite anyone to Friday morning. You won't be intentional with your relationships. You can't fake evangelistic or missionary passion. You can't fake it. Who we must be. You see, being someone that has a passion to really reach others for Christ is the result. It's the overflow. It's the result of a life that has so tasted the mercy of God and so knows Jesus that the overflow of the spiritual health and vitality is just that we want to be on mission for Jesus. My heart's desire for New Life Church from day one and now here on my last one has been for you to see what God can do through you. I want you to see it. God can do more through you than you could ever imagine he can do. And it was so humbling to hear my brothers and sisters this morning See how they get it. They have seen God at work through them. And it's been so humbling to just be a vessel in the, in the master's hand. 
And so many of you need to see what God can do through you if you will let him and truly believe that he has called you, empowered you, and could do so much more through you for his kingdom, which would just fill you with joy and praise for Jesus if you will allow him to. So what must happen inside of me in order to be a motivated missionary for Jesus? Now, I don't have three points today. I only have two. The first one, what must happen? Number one, you must know your Savior. You must truly know your Savior. This is where it begins. You will never give your life away for the mission and for the kingdom cause for Jesus. You won't give it away. You won't do it. You will hold on to it and be self-focused, and you will not be a missionary for Jesus if you don't truly deeply, intimately know him. You must go deeper, and this cannot be a Friday morning religious, I checked the box, done, I went to church. What does that even mean? The church is the people of God. You can't go to church. We are the church that gathers together for the purpose of being fueled for the mission. That's what this is on Friday mornings. It's fuel for the mission that is lived out every single day. Jesus must be your hope, your treasure. You must be in conversation with him constantly. You must know him and walk with him. See the glory of Jesus. Then you will be a motivated missionary. You must know him. Well, who is he? Well, simply, Jesus is God and alone is worthy of your worship. This is who he is. Let's begin with verse 16 and work backwards. Verse 16, it describes knowing Jesus intimately. He says in verse 16, mystery of godliness. Now, mystery doesn't mean that, that it, it's mysterious and can't be known. That's not what it means. When you read mysterion, mystery here in the Bible, it means something that before, that previously was hidden, but that now has been made clear. Because it's been revealed now through Jesus and his gospel's work on the cross and resurrection. And so it just means now it's been made clear through Jesus. So verse 16 is describing, here's kind of like Matthew's paraphrase. It's the undeniable and the magnificence that is God's plan of salvation, which has now been made known. God's plan for salvation is magnificent and now it's clear. Now it's known through Jesus. And so encountering the risen Christ face to face, not just a religious thing, but a knowing Jesus for real that impacts and transforms your life thing, that is what we're after. And that is what leads to transformation and being a motivated missionary for him. And so Jesus is out to display and show his excellencies. Verse 16 is awesome. I love it. It's a hymn. It's a song that was sung by first century believers. And so if you could picture people who love Jesus and gathered on Sundays, I know we do Fridays here, but, but they gathered. And, and if you can picture a believer that would be listening to this in, in their chariot as they drove around, 
or, or they had it in their iPods and just kind of jamming out to this, these jams here. This is, this is a song that they sung. And it calls us to know Jesus deeply. And there's six lines in this song. And first it says, he was manifested in the flesh. And so Jesus is eternal God who became a human. So he was manifested. He appeared in human form, fully God, fully human. Which is why if you read in John 20, after Christ's resurrection, when he appears to doubting Thomas, and Thomas sees Jesus alive and resurrected, Thomas cries out, my Lord and my God. He calls Jesus, he says, my God, Jesus. And he worships him. And Jesus receives the worship of Thomas as he bows down and is worshiping at his feet. Repeatedly. You have people that would come and bow down and worship Jesus. Not one time did Jesus ever say, no, 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 don't do that. Jesus received worship because he is God. He is worthy of your worship. He and the Father are one. He says, vindicated by the Spirit. Next line. He never sinned, but he sinned. He Rather, he was crucified with our sins counted against him. So the word there is imputed. And so our sins were imputed to Christ. They, they, were, they were counted against him and not counted against us. And this is the great exchange where our sin and guilt was imputed to Christ and Christ's righteousness imputed to us. This should be mind-blowing to us. What Jesus did. And so being vindicated by the Spirit means the Spirit of God resurrected Jesus. It says in Romans 8 that it was the Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus. And so he was vindicated, so he was proved right. He was proven to be good and holy with his resurrection. He paid the price, sin was paid, and he was resurrected, vindicated, proving that he is good and holy and that he is God. And the price is paid for our sin. He said, seen by angels, God's purpose is to display his glory to the cosmos, to the universe, to the unseen even. And so not just will every knee of every human eventually bow, but even the angels will bow down. Everything in creation, the entire created order is worshiping and in awe of the majesty of Jesus. Proclaimed among the nations. Do you realize, I know you do because I tell you, but do you believe that you live in arguably the most strategic place on the planet for proclaiming the gospel? You do know that, right? Like you, you have looked around and seen how all nations are gathered here. So this proclaimed among the nations, this is a UAE. He's gathered the nations here. And so I'm praying that as God leads us back to the U.S. to plant a new church, that we can continue to have partnerships in this region. Because I love the UAE, and I still love New Life Church. And I believe God is at work here, being proclaimed among the nations. Don't waste your time here. Use it. See it as a gift. You're a missionary in this remarkable mission field. You see, what's so amazing is we have a promise that one day every tribe, every nation, every tongue 
So every single people group, every single one will be in heaven. You know what that should do for us? Trusting God's sovereignty in that? It should give us great confidence to go and preach the gospel because we're, we can't fail. There will be people of every single nationality and every single language group will be in heaven. And so we should be motivated and encouraged that the gospel will be effective. This is believed on in the world. So people will trust Jesus from every single tribe. And it's been an honor to see just a taste of that every Friday morning. Taken up in glory. He ascended to the Father after his resurrection. One day he's going to return in full glory. He will defeat the enemy. He will destroy death and evil. There will be no pain and we will live forever in his glorious presence. If I can be really honest with you, this last week has been kind of challenging. And this morning is just such mixed emotions because I've had to say goodbye. And I'm going to be saying farewell to to people that I love dearly this morning. But, but the beauty of being believers is that even though many of us after today will never see each other again, the truth is that we will see each other again. That what we have is God in heaven that has promised that we will be with him forever. And so as believers today, what we're going to do is we're going to say, See you soon. I'll see you soon. Because it's not, it's not the ultimate goodbye. We have eternity waiting for us. And so we're going to be busy to get a few things done here before God calls us home. And you're going to work here, and I'm going to be working in Texas, or wherever God calls you after that. And one day we're going to be together forever where we will never have to say goodbye again. So that gives us great hope. This is a beautiful hymn. I could say a lot more, but our time is brief. Glorious hymn that describes the infinite perfections of Jesus. And you must know him and see him with the eyes of your faith. And be satisfied in him and believe that he loves you. You have to know him. And this hymn is just describing who Jesus is. But some of you here don't believe that. Because you would say, oh, but my sin, it's just so great. His mercy is greater. You think, but my failures are so great. His renewal is greater. You think, but my doubts are so great. His faithfulness is greater. Maybe you hear you thinking, no, but my brokenness is just so great. His healing is greater. His grace, his forgiveness, his power, his faithfulness is all greater. And he uses flawed people like ourselves to display his glory. And his plans are greater. His vision for your life is bigger than your vision for your own life is. I've learned that with you here in Abu Dhabi. And so we must drink deeply of this well of living water. And truly feast on the bread of life and know Jesus. Then, only then will we 
have the spiritual health, the vitality, the spirit work in our life that will then lead us, propel us to be motivated missionaries for him. A shallow walk with Jesus will never lead to passion for the mission. So what must happen inside of me in order to be motivated missionary? Number two, as we wrap up, you must know your purpose. You have to know your Savior deeply and know your purpose wholly. And your purpose is to reflect the glory of God. And the same is true of this church. And if you've forgotten everything that I've taught you for these last several years, if you can remember just one thing, this is all I ask. Remember this one thing. New Life Church exists to reflect the glory of God. This is why you're here. You exist. Your purpose is to reflect the glory of God. May people see God when they see you, see his character, and then be drawn to know the Savior. And then they too will then display his glory to the world. Verses 14 and 15 is work backwards. It describes how the church reflects the glory of God. And he gives three. He says, family of God. He says, so when you're a family of God... You are displaying the glory of God. You are fulfilling your purpose. And so we are a faith family. We're not like a family. No. We are a family. And you have been my family. And we're still brothers and sisters. We have the same father, so that doesn't change. Our location might change, but we're still family. And so when the church loves each other. And when we see ladies in here as our sisters, and when we see the men in here as brothers, when we forgive one another, when we have unity, when we speak well of each other, when we serve one another and deeply love one another as a family, the glory of God is displayed. Our purpose is further fulfilled and accomplished. And then he says, the church of the living God. So our, our God is alive. His spirit is in us and with us. We are his gathered people. He dwells in our midst. And so our purpose is accomplished together. We spread the hope of our living God. And he says next that we're the pillar and buttress of truth. A pillar, a buttress holds something else so the pillar doesn't hold itself, but a pillar holds up something else. And so the church here holds up the truth of God. So the church's purpose here is being described as presenting and upholding the word, the truth of God. But understand that we uphold it, but we are under it. So a pillar is under the, the, the ceiling that is holding up. And so if we're holding up the word, that means that we are under it. We're under the weight of it, under the authority of the word that we proclaim and that we uphold. This is how we fulfill our purpose. New Life Church, you are here to show Jesus to the world. This is why you're here. You show Jesus by being a faith family, by being the people of the living God, by being a pillar and a buttress of truth. 
So we're alive in his presence and we show him, we make him known. So God reveals himself through our witness and through our proclamation of the word. So what is the result of knowing your Savior deeply and knowing your purpose wholly? You know what happens? We just read it. Jesus proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world. That's what happens. You have motivated missionaries. People that are so overwhelmed by the glory of God and his presence that what just comes out of them is the desire to accomplish the mission. Let's put it all together, main idea. Knowing Jesus deeply and knowing his purpose wholly will result in you being a motivated missionary for him. And so will you commit to go deeper, to know Jesus more, to not settle for the surface, but to read the word, to spend time in his presence, to really pray, and to do it in community with other believers that you will invest in and see them multiply. We're called to serve the church and serve the world. You've been saved to serve. You've received mercy for the mission. Will you commit to knowing Jesus, making him known right here through this church? This is satisfying and this is glorious. This is worth giving your life away for. That's what this is. And so I'm praying that you will see what God can do through you. My last words to you are don't forget your purpose. Now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church as in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, you are so good. We don't deserve you. We don't deserve to be entrusted with this glorious mission. Father, we are so humbled in your presence. We need you. And we love you because you first loved us. I pray for a blessing upon this remarkable faith family. This church has never been about any one person. This church is about you and your glory, Jesus. And so I pray that you would empower them and use them and lead them. May they be fruitful. May they be fulfilled in you. May they remember that if they have your approval and your presence, they can always have lasting joy. May this be a body of truly motivated missionaries who will proclaim you among the nations and you'll be believed on in the world right here in Abu Dhabi. So I pray for your anointing, your leading, and your blessing upon this faith family in the name of our Savior and our first love, Jesus. Amen.